So pay attention to those. I know many of you have already experienced that, but that's a lot of what's going on. And we think it's something magical and metaphysical and mystical and like, wow, it is. But it's very simple, actually, what's going on. It is magic. But there's also something very scientific, spiritually, of how things move in a very natural way. The natural movement of spirit, not the law of the land, the law of karma, but the natural movement of grace, of loving, detachment. That's what it does. The loving detaches us. As we detached, we're no longer feeding the polarity, so it drops away. It's us, though, that releases it. It doesn't release us. It's going to hang on for dear life because it's getting life from us. So we've got to be the ones to let go. And as we let go, we free ourselves. But you see, the mind will try to figure this stuff out like I'm talking about right now and thinking, well, yeah, okay, now if I can do that, you got this all figured out now just from this conversation today. You think you're going to go demagnetize yourself from everything and just float off, right? Unfortunately, the mind can't do it. The mind will play the game making you believe that you can do that. And it's another great game to keep you caught up and focused here. To play now the game of freeing myself, of demagnetizing myself from this realm of polarity in my karmas. The mind can't do it. It is only you, the soul, that can do it. So in order to do it, you simply have to focus on the soul, wake up to the soul, live the soul, the truth of who you are, not what you believe or thought you were and all these levels of expression, but the truth of who you are that is unconditional loving and neutral. You've got to wake up and live that in order to set yourself free. So you've got to rise above the mind, rise above the games. Even once you get it figured out, let go of that which you've figured out. Because now that which you've figured out will keep you trapped. Because then you'll become righteous, thinking you know it now. And maybe you do. But if you stay stuck in that you know it now and you've got it, you're stuck. Who cares if you know it all now? You're still stuck. So don't worry about if you got it figured out or if you know it, or you don't know it. Just keep going for the loving. Keep going for the awakening. Keep living the soul. It's the only way. It's the only way. So that's the journey. That's all we have to do. It's a simple one. Just awaken to the soul of who you are. That's it. As you awaken to the soul of who you are, all this other stuff I've been talking about and a whole lot more just takes care of itself. It just takes care of itself. All Jim and I are doing here is helping to give understanding of the process that unfolds as you walk 
this spiritual pathway of awakening. Because as you begin to have that understanding here and as you walk it, as you go through the experiences, you'll relax into it more. You'll let it unfold. It's often the fear of the unknown that will keep us caught. We'll be afraid to move forward. So if you hear the words, hear the information, there's a part of you that knows so that as it unfolds in that greater knowing, you can let go of any fear of the unknown. Know that you're going to be safe and secure and everything's perfect. You're in God's hand, literally. And you're just in a journey now of awakening to know that for yourself. Beyond the words. Beyond the words. That you awaken and know it yourself. So we're just simply sharing the way to do that. The way out is in. I think that's been a phrase passed around out there. The way out is in, to go within. Go into the spirit, though. Go into the spirit. When we go into meditation, as a focus at the seat of the soul, we're not going into the body. That's just a physical reference point of where the spirit resides in this physical creation. So go into the spirit at the seat of the soul. Don't go into your head. Go into the spirit that resides right here. I always like to say if you've ever seen pictures of saints from old or even like the one we have up here on the wall, see the big halo around their head? That's the soul. Go into the soul. So if you need to, if you need to focus even above the physical area of the forehead here, Focus there. Because the soul is not of the body. It is not physical. So even though we focus up here, it is not a physical thing. Remember that. Otherwise, you're going to go study now all the chakra system and all the meridians and the chi life force, thinking that's going to make you spiritual and liberate you. It ain't going to do shit to liberate your soul. Now what it can do is give you wonderful understanding and amazing, let's just call it healing ability or balancing ability of the physical life force. You can do wonderful things, maybe for yourself or other people, but it's not going to do anything to awaken the soul of who you are and to liberate the soul from its karmas. It may help liberate the soul from physical disease, but it's not going to liberate the soul from the karma. It's important to remember. And that's not against anything of alternative or holistic health because I'm a big fan and I participate. I'm just trying to lay things out so you don't kid yourself because a lot of people do. Spirit is spirit. Physical is physical. Emotional is emotional. Imagination is imagination. The mind is the mind. Honor it for what it is and don't make it something else because that's how you'll kid yourself, keep yourself led astray. Be honest and truthful to yourself. And then you'll find yourself participating in anything and everything exactly you need. Not only for your physical health or your emotional health or your mental health, but for all of it, 
and your soul's awakening. It's your soul's health. Nothing to do with health. It's awakening. It's knowing. It's living the greater truth of who you are. And so the journey, yes, we're going to go through all these things with the body, all the things with the imagination, the emotions, and the mind, the unconscious, the subconscious. That's a journey that the soul is moving through, and understand that. It's a journey. Participate. Love it all. Because it is a soul that is loving, and the more you love all the journey, the more you awaken to the loving that you are. And then the soul gets free. But the ultimate road to freedom is within in meditation, not by always looking out into the world, not by creating something new in the world, by looking within and creating that path of loving within you and focusing your loving back up to your own soul and to God. Now moving into the fulfillment of that. And enjoy all the rest. Enjoy it all. Even the negativity, even the imbalance, even the dis-ease and the disturbance. That's the funny thing. When you really learn to live the loving and love even the disturbance is when you really get your greater freedom. And that's often the biggest challenge. But if you're up for it and you do it, you're going to find the greater liberation and the joy and the spiritual awakening where truly you, the soul, merge once again into the very heart of God and you know it. Consciously, fully awakened aware. Well, my meditation was a very interesting and fun and uh, kind of a nice memory. Back when I turned 20 years old on May 2nd, 1969, just a couple of days ago, <laughs> I um, uh, was in my meditation, and in the meditation I went into a, a very profound experience that really had um, a great power of moving me in a different direction than what I was moving into and gave me a lot of insight and awareness as to just how to live my life and how I was living my life. And the way it played out is all of a sudden I found myself on a stage. And I was sitting on the stage all by myself. There was nobody else on the stage. And there were all these parts to the play that were going to be played on the stage. And so I, I wondered, I thought, oh my gosh, am I in this play? Do I have a part to play? And um, so nobody was around, and I kept trying to figure it out. And I thought, well, I'll just look and see what the play is about. I'll look at the, the, what's here and, and maybe see if I see my name anywhere in here. So I began to, to look, and it was uh, every part was separated in the script. And so one was a brother, and one was a son, and one was this, and one was that. And so I began to to look at all the parts, and I thought, gosh, I wonder what part I would play. What, what am I going to be playing here? And so nobody still came on the stage, so I thought, well, I'll kind of look at the different ones and see if I can pick one that I would want to play. So I opened up one, and it was Sun, and I started looking at it. And as I was reading it, it had all these definitions. It was like telling you what, this, what your character was going to be, 
if you were to be this character in the play. It wasn't a script as this is the role you're going to be playing and here's the, the things you're going to be saying on stage. So as I was reading down, I was going, golly, some of these things sound like what my mom and dad have said to me. Some of these things sound like what I say to myself. Some of these are what you know, I've learned at school or at church that I'm supposed to be like as a son. And here it is all right here in the script. It's interesting. But I didn't think much about it. I put it aside and I thought, well, let me look at this one. And it was a friend. And so I started opening it up and looking through it. And I'm going, my goodness, these are all the definitions and my challenges uh, of what I go through as a friend. I can see this is really going to be a really good play because these are really good characters. They're real. So opened up another one and opened up another one. And all of a sudden I realized that each line was not just written by the same hand. It was written by different hands. And I was kind of looking at that and I went back and looked at the others. And, and all of a sudden I realized, well, you know, if I were to swear to it, I would say that that looks like my mother's writing right there. You know, that, that looks like my writing. You know, that looks like my brother's writing or whatever. And I realized that all of a sudden I was looking at definitions that I had taken in and accepted as my own that other people had given me. And I went, oh, my God, this is a play about me. These are all the different parts that I play on this stage of my life. All these different parts, and they were all separated, one from the other. They weren't intermingled. And as I was going through this stack, I just... I got very interested in because I thought, oh, my God, this is about me. I better pay attention. Before, I thought, oh, well, I'm going to be in a play. I, I didn't know in what way, but I thought this was going to be fun. But now it was a revelation. It was revealing to me something about myself that maybe I didn't know or maybe I needed to know. So as I kept going down, looking at all these different parts, there was one that I came across, which was employee. And I went, oh, and there was hardly anything in it. All these others, some were pretty good stacks of paper with definitions and statements and whatever. But this employee uh, stack of, of character had very little to it. And I stopped and I remember pausing at that moment and going, why is this so less than all the others? And I realized, my gosh, I've only been working for two years. I've been going to school all the other time. So maybe I haven't gotten enough from everybody as to what I'm supposed to be. And so I put that aside, and I finally got down to the very last one. And it said, who I am. And I said, who I I remember seriously sitting there on the stage going, who I am what? You know, like son, brother, friend, what? Who am I what? And I, I picked it up, and I just kept pondering, who am I what? you know, for a minute, and I opened it up, and it was all these statements of who I am as a child of God, as a spiritual being, as a loving being, all these different statements. And as I looked, all of a sudden I realized some of it was, again, in my writing, and some of it was on other script, but it wasn't my mom's, it wasn't my dad's, it wasn't in any hand that I could relate to at all. And I wondered, I remember sitting there wondering, gosh, I wonder if this is the hand of God, that he wrote this about me, and this is something I need to pay attention to. And I read that for a while, and then I looked at all these different scripts I had all laid out, 
on the floor. And it was it felt like it was getting time to bring this to a close. So I remember I started trying to stack them in the order that I had found them. Who am I on the bottom? And then all these other things on top. And I went, wait a minute. If I'm the characters of all the, on this play, and I'm all the characters, I want it stacked the way I want it. I don't want it stacked the way it was. So I put who am I on top. And then I arranged it according to how I felt I understood my beingness, myself, all the way down. And then I sat there for a minute and I went, wait a minute. I don't want to still have to live all these characters. So I took the Who Am I file and I put it on one side and I put all the others on another. And I said, so I've got a choice. Which characters am I going to play? And I decided to just do the Who Am I and to just dismiss all the others as best I could. And I remember that day was a very challenging day. Here it was, my 20th birthday, supposed to be very celebration, much more celebration than normal. And yet I had a very challenging day because all these other characters that I normally just play in my life without ever thinking about it, kept coming up and trying to take dominion. No, I should be at the top of the pile. I'm the one you should be living. I mean, it was just right in my face. My brother was in my face about what I was supposed to be as a brother in an amazing way because of what he was going through in his life at the moment, as a, going through divorce and, and all of that. And it was just a, a process all the way through, and even as an employee, that day my boss was all over me. I could not do anything right. And it was like, I remember thinking, I don't have enough definition in my book. I've got to go back and read and fill in the, the blanks because he hasn't told me all this before. And it was just, it was an amazing day. And then I came home and I sat down and I went, what was this about? And I remember inside picking up that who am I you know, script again, that character, and realizing, I just want to be this. I think if I can be who I am truly, I can be who I am in all these other parts. The, the people out here don't have to know that I'm just living one script. But I know I'm just going to live one script. I'm not going to live the son and the definition of that and the brother and the definition of that and the friend, and the definition of that, and the lover, and the definition of that, and all these different things. And for years, I had to keep choosing, no, I'm doing it this way. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to be the loving being. I'm going to be the forgiving being. I'm going to be the accepting being. I'm going to be the joyful one. I'm going to be whatever. But I'm not going to live these definitions that people have given me or that I've created for myself of what I'm supposed to be in this particular setting. And I still do that today. There's this part of me that thinks, well, I'm supposed to do it this way because this is the way they ex accept, expect it or the way that the world has defined it. And I don't. I do the best I can just to always be the same in whatever I do with anybody at any time. And the biggest challenge 
for me has always been being honest with myself, being true to myself. It's much easier to bring it out into the world and do it out here than it is with yourself, but it begins here. If you can do it here with you, then you can live yourself into the world in a very loving, joyful, peaceful way. And it's a lot easier to have one script, one definition, one sense of, of being, one character to play in the world at a, at, throughout all time here in this body than having all these different parts and go, okay, well, now what am I with them? Oh, well, they're my friend, but they want me to be a brother right now. Okay, so I'm a friend and I'm a brother. Oh, now I've got to be the counselor. Okay, well, I'm a friend and a brother and a counselor. Well, it's easier just to be the loving being, the soul. Then there's no parts to play, no definitions to switch back and forth to, and life gets simpler. And that's what this pathway is about. It's about living life simply, finding that simple way to live your life. The simple way. And the simple way is to be true to you. But to be true to you, you've got to connect to you. You've got to go inside and find out, well, who am I really? Who am I really? And let go of all the definitions that the world has placed on you. Let go of all the definitions that you've built up around yourself and who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to be and start living the truth of who you are. But connect first to that truth. And how do you do that? It's go inside. Because your truth of who you are is not in the world. It's not out here. And there's a lot of books out there that say, well, I can show you who you are. I can teach you who you are. I can bring you to that place of who you are. All these self-help books, and they do help in many ways, but they do not really reveal the true you. The true you is only revealed inside by going inside and connecting to that place where the true you resides at the seat of the soul. Connecting back here to that place where the truth of you really is begins the process of unfolding. Unfolding to the greater expression and experience of life in its fullest essence. And letting go of all those things that the world has put upon you. It's like somebody has taken a big stack of sticky notes and written all these definitions and just stuck them all over you. And you're trying to live all of them at once. Or sometimes you're living this row over here and now you're living this row over here. But it's all given to you from the outside. And it doesn't even go inside to really be a fulfilling experience because they're just stuck on you. What we want to do is take all those definitions away and find out what remains. And what you're going to find that remains is one thing, that you are the living, loving essence of the Lord. You are the living, loving essence of the Lord. That's the script of who am I. That's the role that you truly will find the peace, the joy, the happiness of life if you begin to live it. And the nice thing is, when you begin to live it, you begin to live a fullness. You live in your strength. You live in your loving. You live in your peace. You live in your truth. And you know it. 
You're not living other people's truths that have been placed on you. You're living your own. And when you can do that, and when you are doing that, then you truly are going to find the fulfillment that you want. And yes, there's still going to be challenges in the world. People are still going to come up and say, well, but you're not doing it right. This is how you're supposed to be. I need you to be this way, not what you're doing. You're supposed to support my weaknesses. You're supposed to take care of me and nurture me because I I deserve it. Or whatever it is that they do. If you live the loving, maybe they won't get it in the moment. Maybe they'll walk away from you in frustration or anger or separation. But very soon after that, if they are paying attention, they will be coming back for more of the loving. They will come back because that's what they're really longing for. They want that truth. They want the loving. They want the understanding. They want the caring that truly resides in the loving. And they want the honesty. It's amazing if you have a friend in your life, whether it be a husband or wife, a mate, a partner, a child, a friend, who is really honest with you. If you have that in your life, you know what I'm talking about. That honesty is everything. But how does that honesty come about? One, by you being honest with yourself. Be honest with you. And you will draw honesty to you. You will draw those people that are honest with themselves to be with you so that you can share in that honesty together. And you build together an honest relationship in the world and inside. That's not easy to do. Not everybody wants honesty. Do I look fat in this dress? <laughs> well, no, no, of course not. <laughs> if you lose 20 pounds. <laughs> you know, it is really challenging sometimes to be honest because we don't want to hurt people. Or it's hard for them to be honest with us because they think, well, I don't want to hurt them. So what's wrong with a little white lie? Well, when we lie to another, we're really lying to ourselves. And when we allow others to lie to us, we begin to live the lie. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. And be honest as you can in the world. Now, you may not be able to walk up to your boss and say, when he asks, well, what do you think of me? Well, <laughs> at that moment, you may have to learn to be very diplomatic with your words and how you put it across to get your honesty across. But it can be done. I had that happen one time. Almost very soon after I had this whole thing with the script, the wife of the owner of the business, who was she was the accountant for the the store, she came up to me and one day she sat down with me and she said, we were having coffee on a coffee break and she said, honestly, what do you think of me? What do you, you know, you've known me now for a couple of years. What do you think of me? What is your impression of me? Whoa. 
<laughs> Never had anybody ask me that before. And here's somebody who I hardly know. I only know her these hours of uh, a day, a week, and for two years, and don't know her outside the store at all, asking me that. And something inside, because of what I had just done with all these scripts not too long ago, said, okay, so let's say it. And so I just said, well, this is my impression. This is my feeling with you right now, but I don't know you that well. And maybe there's more things for me to know than just this. And so I shared with her. And I shared with her a lot of the good qualities I saw. And and I saw some of the weaknesses. And I shared them with her. And I I kind of like freaked myself out when I was all of a sudden (laughs) saying them. But it was like, okay, well, I'll go find another job. (laughs) And she looked at me and she had a little tear running out. And she said, thank you. I've never had anybody be honest with me before and really tell me. I needed to hear that. I needed to hear about my weaknesses because nobody will ever tell me anything except this or that because I'm the wife of the boss or I'm the the wife of the man who has the money or whatever. She said, thank you. And I actually kidded with her as we went back to work. I said, so I haven't lost my job, have I? She said, no, no, I'm going to work for a raise. <laughs> so... You know, you never know what honesty is going to bring. And if it loses a friendship, it loses a friendship. I've had that too. I've had people walk away from me, just disgusted with me, angry with me. One of my best friends for years, from from fourth grade. And all of a sudden, one day, when I was 23, 24 years old, we were talking and He said, no, no, Jim, be honest with me. You're not being honest. Be honest with me. So I did. Whoa, he didn't like it. Did not want to hear it at all. He walked out that door, never said a word to me, just walked out that door, never responded to my calls. When we saw each other at the theater one time, he got up at the theater with his girlfriend and left rather than stay and watch the movie. I heard her walk by and she's going, why are we leaving? Well, well, what happened? Did I do something wrong? <laughs> and it, well, I, I'm sure it was just because I walked in and sat down not too far from them. But years later, he called me one day and he says, can we get together and have lunch? I've got some things I want to share with you. And so we got together and he said, first, I want to apologize. And I want to ask you for forgiveness. And he said, second, I want to thank you. You were severely honest with me that day, and I didn't want to hear it. But every time I got into disagreements, every time I was getting hurt by another person, every time something went wrong in my life, those words that you shared with me came up. And all of a sudden I realized that because I wasn't being honest with myself, all these things I was living falsely was coming back on me and attacking me. And I've really had to work to become a different person. And I want you to know I thank you very much for all you said, and I'm sorry for what I did. And can we be friends? Well, we're friends today. He calls maybe once a week from San Antonio, and we still talk. So be honest as best you can, but first with yourself. 
first with yourself. If it doesn't start here, then it's false and it's not honesty. And honesty begins in loving you. Love yourself. Love every part of yourself. Love those parts of yourself that you hate. Love them. Because some of those are your best qualities. Oh my God. That's an awful thought, isn't it? (laughs) But they are. Those are some of your greatest strengths if you only would apply them differently. Rather than judge them and suppress them, bring them forward and say, wow, okay, let's see how this works if I apply it, if I live it rather than judge it and suppress it. You might find you've got greater strength and ability and character and quality in you than you've ever imagined. And it all begins by loving yourself and being honest with yourself. And then see what reveals. And like Brian was sharing earlier about polarity, well, we will draw to ourselves that which we are living. If we are living our negativity, we are going to draw others to us to support our negativity. Have you ever found that in your life? Well, if you're living your loving and you're living your truth and you're living your honesty, my God, you're going to draw people of like nature to you. And you can support each other in that. And there'll be people that want to join your clique and there'll be other people who go, oh, don't ever get with them. They're just so honest and loving. Oh, no thanks. (laughs) And you go, okay, well, that's good. And you just enjoy your life. So... If you ever find yourself on a stage and a stack of characters are on that stage and all of a sudden you realize you're playing all the characters of the play, it's a one-man play, a one-woman play, figure out which character you really want to play and just play it. And you'll be a lot happier. No matter what it is, just pick out one. It makes life simpler. The one I would recommend is go to that one that is the who am I, that is loving, that is caring, that is nurturing, that is spiritual, and that is soul. And then all the others just rewrite themselves to go along with that character that you're now being. All right. So thank you all. And I guess we'll see you next Sunday.